ESPN 94.1 FM at AM 930 present The Drive. Welcome into the Tuesday, July 25th edition. The Drive begins now on ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. I'm your host, Paul Swan. I've got a fun show today. I really believe so. First up, we're going to hear from Phil Steele. Now, Phil has been around for a long time, and he produces one of the best college football magazines in the country. And the newest edition is out now. I'm going to talk to Phil here in the next few minutes. We're going to talk about the magazine. We're going to talk about, of course, the Sun Belt, his thoughts on Marshall. So I'm excited to talk to Phil. We'll do that coming up here in the next few minutes. Also, a little bit later on the program, we're going to hear from one of the former Huntington Blizzard players that came into Huntington for the remembrance of Jim Birmingham. We're going to hear from Van Burgess. I caught up with him Saturday, and he had a few things to say about his return to Huntington, also remembering Jim Birmingham. So we'll hear that. And, of course, we will make time for your text. You can do that at 304-396-TALK, 304-396-8255. So that's the text line to be a part of today's edition of The Drive right here on ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. We've got basketball action for you coming up tonight. We're going to hear Best Virginia in action tonight, 7 o'clock. And then right after that game, we're going to hear Heard That. That game will follow a little bit after 9 o'clock. It's going to be at West Banco Arena in Wheeling. Heard that, the four seed taking on the Zoo Crew, the alumni team from Pitt. They're the five seed. The winner potentially could play Best Virginia. So I'm excited for that second-round matchup. But heard that's got to get past Zoo Crew first. You can hear those games right here on ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. There's no real television option for you other than ESPN+. Plus. If you don't have Plus, don't worry. Internet connection, kind of crappy, don't worry. We've got you covered. And, of course, we are streaming it on our app as well. So if you can't listen to the radio exactly where you're at, we got you covered. Just go to our website to get the link to the app. It's wrvc.com, and you can connect over to your app store, Google Play, or for your iPhone. And we also have an Alexa skill, so you can find out more information about that. Just head on over to wrvc.com so you can figure out which app you need, and then you can stream the show, you can stream the game right here on your radio or on the stream. Today was the start of Sunbelt Conference Football Media Days. It's a two-day event. Today and tomorrow, and the East Division will speak tomorrow. Today it was the West Division, but to open things up, Sunbelt Commissioner Keith Gill took the podium, and uh, he came out the rapper's delight. That was pretty boss of him. I'll give him credit for that. But he spoke a lot about all the successes of the Sunbelt and the fact that the theme of rising continues, and he thinks that this is going to be the best year yet for the Sun Belt. Pretty high on how the league has grown. Pretty much views the Sun Belt as the, I want to say the best of the rest. You know, you have the Autonomy 5, and then you have the Non-Autonomy 5, and of course some of you like using the term Power 5 and Group of 5. So 
the goal for Commissioner Gill is to make sure that the Sun Belt is among the very best of the non-autonomy five, and television helps, the competitiveness of the divisions helps, and he talked about all the successes and looking forward to where the upcoming season is going. So it was very informative today listening to him. But he did answer some questions from the media early, and he talked a little bit about when he was asked about the expanded college football playoff, and he's really high on this. He likes how this is going to benefit the Sun Belt, and it's a goal of Commissioner Gill to make sure that doesn't matter which team, but a Sun Belt team is among the teams that are competing for an access bid, you know, the playoff. Want to make sure that the Sun Belt's the conference that's getting all the attention. So he talked about the playoff and how it's going to benefit the Sun Belt overall. That is tremendous for our conference. You know, at the end of the day, you know, everyone wants an opportunity to compete for a national championship. That's why we suit up. I think if you look last year um, at what we did against A5 competition with wins over Notre Dame and Texas A&M and Nebraska and also Virginia Tech, we proved we can play with anyone. And so we think that the college football playoff is going to be outstanding for us and create some opportunities for us to get a berth in there and actually do some damage and win some games once we, once we get there. So we're, we can't be excited enough for that opportunity for our, our programs, particularly our coaches and our student-athletes, to compete for a national championship. So very excited when the expansion comes in 2024. 2024, that's the expansion date. Now, he also shed a little bit of light. He was asked about future expansion, and 14 seems to be the good number for him right now. He does see the future as being fluid, so he understands that you can never say never, but he did expand a little bit on the position of the league as far as future expansion is concerned. I think he's good right now with what he's got. With regards to the Sun Belt, you know, we are really happy with our membership. You know, 14 teams is, is, is perfect for us. Um, really like the commitment to success that our teams bring. Obviously, this regional footprint has been really important, establishing some great rivalries across all our sports. So we are really content and feel good about where we are, and we don't have any um, plans um, to expand. You know, that being said, you know, college athletics moves fast, you know, and and so um, a lot of um, external factors can impact your decisions. So I think we're always kind of, um, you know, evaluating opportunities and, and certain if we find an opportunity that we think makes some sense, we're certainly open to having those conversations, but we, we're not searching for a certain number of teams, but we feel really good about 14. We feel really good about the 14 we have and certainly don't anticipate any changes um, in the near future. That's Commissioner Keith Gill on potential expansion. Right now, the league is pretty set at 14. Now, another question that Commissioner Gill talked about he revealed why the league isn't currently considering the elimination of East and West divisions. He likes the geography. He likes the rivalries, and he expands on that after he got that question. You know, I, I do not, you know, and, um, and, and so and I, I would never say never. Um, I like to consider myself someone who is open to suggestions and consideration and change, so I would never say never. But, you know, we, the, the conference, the foundation of the conference is, really on regional rivalries. And so everything that we can do to promote playing those regional rivalries, playing those historic rivalries are really important. And divisions do that. 
And divisions really accentuate that and, and make sure that you're playing teams that are closer to you, that you have some traditional kind of um, history with. So I would anticipate that I don't, anticip- I don't anticipate any changes um, to that and think it's a really foundation, a core of who we are. Um, but I will say that, you know, we're obviously open-minded, and if we see some data or some information that, that makes us think we should change, whether it's for access to CFP or something like that, we would certainly be open to that. But we feel really good about the divisions. We feel really good about what that's meant for our conference, and, um, and we certainly look forward to kind of continuing that in the, in the future. East and West divisions continue in the Sun Belt. That's Sun Belt Commissioner Keith Gill addressing the media and the national audience earlier this morning during the opening of Sun Belt Media Days. When we continue, we're going to hear from Phil Steele, one of the best known names in college football. He's not a coach, he's not a player, he's not a broadcaster. He just publishes an annual college football magazine which happens to be one of the very best that you can buy. We'll talk to Phil when we continue on this edition of The Drive, ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. This is The Drive with Paul Swan on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Welcome back to The Drive here on ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. I want to welcome to the program now, Phil Steele. He is a well-known sports analyst who publishes an annual college football preview magazine. The 23 edition of Phil Steele College Football Preview magazine is out now for purchase. And this thing is jam-packed. It contains over 350 full-color pages, stats, trends, angles, returning starters. Phil, of course, he's got his opinion and much more, and... It's a really thick magazine. In a day and age where people don't buy magazines, Phil, I think you have single-handedly kept the print business alive. Uh, The funny thing is uh, everybody talks about the Internet and how the Internet's so fast, but I feel my magazine is two to three times as fast as the Internet in a lot of areas. I mean, if you were to need a reference point on any of the 133 teams, all the information is in the same spot on every page for every team. So you know what their record was three years ago, uh, what a game was last year, final score, who the leading rusher was. You could just open up the page, point, and you know exactly where it's at. Meanwhile, if you went to all the 133 schools' websites, click on them, go to sports, go to stats. They're all set up differently. You're probably five, six clicks away from finding the same information. So it really is quicker than the Internet. You've been doing this a long time, and you still have the passion today that you had years ago when I first started talking to you. Now, what makes it exciting every year? Because college football has expanded. As you mentioned, we're 133 teams. I know you, you don't hand this work off to anybody. You're doing it all yourself. So what keeps it exciting and fresh for you, knowing that college football keeps growing and growing and you just keep expanding and expanding with it? Yeah, and you know, Paul, it's actually all I do is college football. I don't follow any other sport out there. So 365 days of the year, I'm worried about college football. Uh, it's to the point now where on Sundays I don't even watch the NFL. I'm watching tape college games all day long on Sunday. 
Uh, just for the, the way the magazine has progressed, the fact that many people do re- refer to it as the Bible of college football, you know, I talked to 123 of the 133 head coaches this year, uh, and each of them give me about an hour of their time on the average. So to me, that's a, a lot to do. It's a it's something I've loved as a child was football. Now it's all college football, and uh, even with the transfer portal and the NIL stuff going on, it's uh, still a lot of fun for me. That's a good point. With the transfer portal, with NIL, how much have you had to adjust to the uncertainty of college football players just being able to jump around anywhere and anytime they want to? Yeah, it, it makes us push the magazine deadline back. I used to go to the press, Paul, in uh, May and get that thing out by early June. The old magazine adage is uh, you want to be the first football magazine on the newsstand. Everybody buys it. Second magazine, third magazine they buy, and then they're pretty much done. But people wait around for mine. So uh, when they first originally announced the transfer portal this year, they said it was going to be open until May 30th. I cringed because if it's open until May 30th, I can't find out where all the players are going. But then they made it May 15th this year, thank goodness. And what I did is I gave it three full weeks. We didn't go to the press until June 7th. All the coaches had my cell phone number, and I said, look, I don't care if it's June 6th. You get a player signed. Text me. Call me. And we were making frantic pages, changes on the pages on June 6th, two days before uh, we went to the press. But it's made us put the magazine back further. Uh, but we were able to capture, I feel, 95 96% of the transfer portal signees. So it really is the most up-to-date magazine out there. And that's something, years' experience in talking to you, you feel like – you're the most accurate magazine out there, and you back it up every year. And I'm not going to name publications, Phil, but I've looked at a couple other publications, kind of see where they're at, what they're talking about. And I always find things that I just highlight, and that's wrong, that's not right, that's changed. You know, For you, your publication is almost bulletproof. You know, It's as accurate as the day it prints, and I don't think other publications can really say that. Yeah, and you know, this year, Paul, uh, before we even went to the press, uh, I saw magazines were hitting the newsstands June 1st, which means they had to go to the press May 1st before the portal even closed. And if you check their rosters, you'll find some players that are on the wrong teams in uh, some of the early magazines that went out. And, and like you said, uh, you know, back in 1995 when I started this thing, Paul, there was probably 20 college football magazines on the newsstands. Now, what is there, five or six? But uh, we still continue to go strong, and, and we still have the same base of people uh, get, that get the magazine each and every year and have to have it. Joining me is Phil Steele from College Football Preview. The 23 edition is out now, and if you've expanded over the years, you're doing a lot more online with FCS. You also have services for people who just can't, get enough college football. What are some of the things that maybe fans might not know about that you're doing? Because you, as you mentioned, you're doing this every day, all year round. You're 24-7 portal for football. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate that, Paul. Yeah, the the website, philsteel.com, when you go there uh, during the season, we update the the stats and the individual stats. Uh, You can get the last 25 years' results for each matchup. It's just loaded with information. Phil Steele Plus is what I use when I'm doing radio shows during the year. I can click on it, become an instant expert on any team. In fact, I've been on radio shows, Paul, where somebody asked me about an FCS team, and I don't follow the FCS as well as I do the FBS, but when I 
click on my website, I can say, oh, yeah, they're 4-2 this year. You know, they're outgaining opponents by 102 yards per game. You know, two weeks ago they had that 21-point win over so-and-so, and and you sound like an expert on the radio just using the the website philsteel.com. But we're also this year putting out an FCS magazine. It's actually up and available right now. And we give two full pages on every FCS team. And that's important because, first of all, they're starting to allow uh, wagering, you know, in, in all, almost every state now, and you can wager on FCS games. And I think there's a lot of value there. Your value is not when Alabama's playing Georgia in the big game of the week. Your values on games that people don't know a lot about, and we give you all the information on the FCS. So the FCS magazine's available right now, but also Phil Steele Plus is a great source. And then I put out a weekly newsletter called Inside the Press Box, where you get uh, my selections on every game and my computer selections on every game. Sometimes we argue, we disagree, me and the computer, and uh, you get to see all those uh, write-ups during the course of the year. How accurate is the computer? And I know you track all of this, so you pretty much have a really good record when it comes to accuracy, where you stand year to year. Are you competing with the computer now? Is it get to the point now where the computer's learning from you, right? Who's who's programming this thing? (laughs) We agree on most of the games. There there'll be games where we disagree on sometimes and you know, the funny thing, Paul, if you read my um and the Phil's forecast, the offense and defense, when I do those write ups every year, I always flip to the one page in my magazine where it predicts the yards for each team, yards offense, yards defense, yards rushing and passing points. And I flip to it, and then I compare it to what their stats were. And I'm just amazed how many, oh, wow, my computer predicted they have 24.5 points per game, and they had 24.9. You know, and it's it does uh, take into account the strength of every opponent, matches up every game, predicts every stat of every game throughout the year. And, and you'd be amazed at the, the accuracy on that each season. With me is Phil Steele. College football preview 23 is out. And as uh, we've said, it it is the Bible of college football. And, of course, what makes it really special is when you go through your magazine, when you talk to you, you give as much attention to, say, Alabama or Georgia as you would to Marshall or the Sun Belt. There's no, okay, well, i got to do more here on Alabama because they're Alabama, and I'll just cut back a little bit on some of these smaller schools. That's not the case with you. You, top to bottom, everybody gets the same level of detail. Yeah, two full pages, and uh, it's all set up the same way, so quick, easy access. And, you know, the thing is, uh, this year, Paul, I said I talked to 123 of the 133 head coaches. I talked to every single group of five head coach, every single one of them. I uh, talked to every ACC head coach. Uh, Pac-12, I missed one, which was Dion, And they really helped get my rosters in shape. And what I do the, for the calls, it's not your standard meet and greet. I send them over my team pages, which has every player on them, uh, all their stats, all my notes. And I say, okay, put me in the right order. Tell me a little something about the players. And then how do you feel about the position? And it's really helped us in the accuracy department. So here we go, Marshall, Sunbelt. You had a lot of nice things to say about the Sun Belt this year. The media polls out, you or well, the coaches polls out. You compare it to what you're thinking, what the coaches are thinking. You know, what are some interesting things that maybe stand out? Can compare and contrast if you could. You know, where maybe everyone else is thinking these uh, these standings are, and where. You've got everybody. Yeah, and as far as Marshall goes, uh, I have Marshall higher than what the coaches poll has. The coaches poll has them fourth. Uh, I have them tied for second in the uh, in the Sun Belt East. 
when I look at Marshall, I like the fact that uh, Cam Fancher's back. I think he's going to be a vastly improved quarterback this year. And while they lose Kalen LeBourne, let's keep in mind, Rasheen Ali was a 1,400-yard rusher two years ago, and he was the leading rusher in the last couple of games for Marshall last year once he recovered from injury. Now he's a year removed from that injury. I think he'll be back to that form he had back in uh, 2021. They had in a player like Demarcus Harris from Kentucky, a wide receiver. Uh, my cons- little bit of concern would be the fact that last year, if you follow Marshall, you know they had a, a powerful defense. It just sort of stampeded over their opponents and and uh, powered over them. This year, they're going to be a little less of that and maybe a little more cerebral and surgical. Not quite as strong up front, but still a very good defense. And Charles Huff's doing a great job there. Now, their schedule might be the toughest in the Sun Belt. They have to play NC State on the road, East Carolina on the road, two very tough games. App State is on the road. Coastal Carolina is on the road. They pull South Alabama out of the uh, West, which is a, a difficult, uh, might be the best team out there. So the toughest schedule out there. I think App State, when you look at them, has got the easier schedule of the bunch. And uh, App State will be an improved team this year. I did pick them to win the conference. Uh, the coach's pick was James Madison. I actually have James Madison tied for third in the Sun Belt, along with uh, Coastal. So uh, is, there is a difference between the coaches and my rankings when it comes to the East. As far as the West, maybe the key matchup is South Alabama at Troy. My computer ratings were just still calling for South Alabama, even though they have to play at Troy as winning that game. And that's why I went with South Alabama, number one, uh, and Troy, number two. But it should be a heck of a game and a heck of a battle uh, for there. And then uh, the rest of the division, they pretty much laid it out the same way I did with Louisiana Southern Miss. Uh, They've got Texas State a little bit higher. And me picking Texas State towards the bottom is scary because going over the team with uh, G.J. Kinney, I thought he did a great job at Incarnate Word last year. And if he could do the same thing here at Texas State, they could be dangerous. So, uh, But overall, the Sun Belt, I, I love the way that they added the teams last year. And this is a powerful group of five uh, league. I was listening to Keith Gill earlier as the Sun Belt Media Days have begun. And he, he thinks both divisions are strong. And, of course, he echoes the sentiment that a lot of people independent think that the East Division is the best group of five division in college football. Where do you fall on that? Uh, I'd say they're right there, yes. Uh, in fact, the, the good news is for the Sun Belt this year is, is last year, in my mind, the East was vastly superior to the West, whereas this year the West has really made some strides and closed that gap. But uh, I would have to say that the East, when you look at them top to bottom, probably is the, the best division uh, of the group of five. Is it surprising to you? You see the trends on a yearly basis, uh, how well and how fast that the Sun Belt has really become a major player in college football. You know, a few years ago, you might have said the American was the biggest uh, group of five league. Sunbelt now probably contends for that. You know, it's just uh, it's been amazing to think that the Sunbelt years ago, you might have not even regarded them as a good football conference. And now they're Remember? among the best. Remember when some Sunbelt teams left to join CUSA? Yeah, I was there. <laughs> I remember like, that. Well, CUS, CUSA is the better conference by far, no doubt about it. And now look at the two conferences compared to each other. Yes, it has surprised me. If you would ask me, you know, uh, let's say eight, nine years ago about where the conferences rank, I would have had the Sunbelt at the very bottom, along with the MAC, those two at there, and CUSA clearly ahead of them. But now there's no, not even a, a – there's no comparison between the Sun Belt and CUSA. Sun Belt's a better conference. Is it due to leadership 
You bring in a commissioner like Keith Gill. You you have strong leadership. It feels like the league gets it. It wants to move forward. And these are simple things: marketing, positioning your teams in in divisions that make sense. He's doing all these common sense things. You know, why is the Sun Belt, in your estimation, more successful than some of the other leagues at this moment? Yeah, and. Um... Part of its location, you know, being uh, more towards the south, I think is big because, uh, as we know, college football is huge in the south. Uh, then the other thing is I like that the additions that they've made. You know, when you're bringing an FCS team like a James Madison, you wonder a little bit, you know, what you're getting. But James Madison was such a proven product in the FCS, such a legitimate contender for the playoff and, and national title on a yearly basis. It was a great pickup. Those fans are passionate about football. They have great attendance. Uh, that's not your typical FCS team that's been added to it. So I, I like bringing in Southern Miss uh, coming over from uh, CUSA. I think Southern Miss, once again, a passionate fan base. They play at the Rock. Marshall, a huge pickup in my mind. And what we've seen is the uh, the teams that maybe were struggling a little, like a South Alabama uh, and uh, Georgia Southern went through a little spurt there. Uh, they are getting better on a yearly basis. And never discount ULM even with with Bowden there. I think Bowden's doing a great job. They pull their upsets. They don't they haven't won a lot of games, but they pull a lot of upsets. So I just like the I like the coaches overall, and I do like the talent level. Is I think the talent level is increasing yearly. Speaking of the talent level, and we're joined by college football previews, Phil Steele. The magazine is out now. Who do you like when you look at uh, Marshall's roster top to bottom? Uh, who do you like as far as some of the standouts? I, I know you have your all you know, Phil Steele team, but you know, when you go across the, the roster, yeah, how how difficult was it to maybe find a few players to put on that top list? Because the talent seems to have gotten better and better in the Sun Belt. Yes, definitely. And, you know, as mentioned, Marshall lost seven starters off the defense. So, I mean, it, you, generally when you're putting players – in a preseason magazine, it's going to be your veteran players and returning starters. I'm going to start with Cam Fancher. Uh, you know, Fancher was not a guy that was a starter at the beginning of last year. Uh, he had his ups and downs last year, but I like the way he can run. I like the way he throws. Uh, and I thought Marshall was playing by far its best ball down the stretch. In fact, you know, you look over those uh, final five games they had last year, they basically just rolled over their opponents, and Fancher is a big part of that. Rasheen Ali, I think, is one of the best running backs in the league. Generally, when you come off an ACL, the first year you're not 100%. Well, it wasn't an ACL, but when you come off an injury, you're not 100% that first year off the injury. The second year you get there, and I would expect him to be back to that level this year. Uh, when you look on the offensive line, I think when you look at left tackle Ethan Driscoll, he is six foot. Uh, nine, 316 pounds. He's a guy that has a chance to play in the NFL. He's got long arms. He's got great size. Last year was his first year as a starter. And uh, I think the NFL scouts are going to start uh, looking at him very closely this year. And then you got a guy on the defense in Eli Neal. Uh, he's an all-conference caliber guy, probably the heartbeat of the team. He's a guy that just plays hard all the time, makes all the calls on defense. He's physical, and he has a good edge to him. Uh at cornerback, Micah Abram, he's a guy that, uh, you know, he's got the NFL pedigree. He's confident. Uh, he's got quick twitch and uh, pre-snap knowledge. So I think he's a guy that fits in well. He's got decent size at the cornerback spot. Uh, those are probably be the top players that jump out me right off the bat. And then if you're looking at transfers, I like Kashawn Brown coming over from App State. He started seven games at linebacker for him last year. Michael Green up front on the defensive end spot. Uh, did get a lot of playing time at Virginia. 
but he's a guy that uh, I think is going to make an impact. Virginia's had a pretty good, a very underrated defense. He's going to get more playing time, see the field more, and I think he could be a major weapon at the quarterback spot. Ibrahim, uh, the uh, transfer from Texas, he's a guy that probably just needed a change of scenery. He's got the six foot one. You like to have a cornerback, and uh, he is a guy that uh, really stood out in the spring. And I think he's going to be team with Abraham as an outstanding cornerback combination. My guest is Phil Steele. College Football Preview 23 is out now. You can find more about that at philsteele.com. And the best place to order it online, uh, the newsstand still an option. I know you have uh, the deal with Barnes & Nobles, right? Yeah, the, you, you used to be able to go out and get it anywhere. Now it has to be strictly Barnes & Noble or Books A Million are the only two brick-and-mortar stores that will carry it this year. That's Barnes & Noble and Books A Million. And then you can go online at philsteel.com. And when you go to philsteel.com, I'm going to charge you a shipping charge. And actually, it costs to ship things. But uh, when you get the hard copy at philsteel.com, we give you the digital magazine absolutely free. And the digital magazine is updated all the way through the start of the season. So as an example, if you go to the Northwestern team page, um, it uh, does not list uh, Pat Fitzgerald as the head coach. It lists David Braun as the head coach. So we circle players that are out for the year. Any injuries that happen during the month of August will be noted in the digital version. So you get the hard copy in the digital at philsteel.com or my good friends at Barnes & Noble have plenty of magazines on hand. Okay, so if you want just to have it in your hands now, go to Barnes & Noble, get it, and you got it. If not, if you want the most up-to-date version, I'm not I'm not telling the Barnes & Noble people they don't have the most up-to-date version, but what you just said sold me on the website. Yeah, and it's uh, it's something that uh, you know you can update it, and it keeps you posted. So you could even flip to the digital, and then I like to mark up my magazine. <laughs> I like to circle the players that are out, write the scores in and everything. So I use my hard copy of the magazine. It'll help you keep updated in that respect. And I think something we need to touch on briefly is – when you open up the spread for the magazine, it's it's not this fat page of graphics and you know, it's not filling up the space just so you can get the page. You're going to have yeah, a jam-packed piece of paper here. <laughs> yeah, if we get one complaint, Paul, uh, they say, hey, your type size is too small because <laughs> you know, I, I want to put as much information on every single page. And my common phrase here, anytime somebody comes to me with something that's spread out, I'm like, this is not a third grade book report where we're trying to fill up space. I want information on top of information. And uh, as you mentioned, there's no full page pictures. There's very little advertising. It's just pretty much it. If you're a casual fan and you want a quick, easy read, you might pick up the information or pick up the magazine, open up the open it up and say, whoa, that's just too much for me and put it down. But if you're a college football fan, you're going to use this thing in uh, July. You're going to use it in August. You're going to use it in September, November, de, uh, October, December. You're going to use it all the way through the bowl season. And you're going to refer to it. It's going to be dog-eared at the end of the year and uh, all marked up as well. Phil still my guest. College football preview 23 is out now. And I encourage everyone if you love college football, pick this magazine up. And again, Phil, I picked up a couple of others just for just for comparison this season, and I feel like I want a refund. And that was uh, <laughs> honestly, you know, I I always try to grab just a couple others, see what others are saying, you know, just to, to flesh it out. And every year, I tell myself I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do this. And I grab one, and then I regret it afterwards. I've never done that with your magazine. I appreciate that. Yeah, and I, I think uh, Paul probably by the end of the year is yours all dog-eared. 
Uh, let's put it to you this way. Um, a lot of people want to grab it, so I have to defend it sometimes and tell them to get their own. But, yeah, it's uh, <laughs> yeah, it's it's always uh, kind of – it looks like it's been used. I'll, I'll say that. It looks like it's been used. Nice. And it's, uh, you know, it's a labor of love, though, Paul. It's something I work on. Uh, it takes us seven months to produce this magazine. We start the Sunday after Thanksgiving, and it goes all the way through June 7th to put this thing out. And there are a lot of uh, deadlines and push, push, push and get this thing out. But uh, at the end of the year, or when it does hit summertime, this is my favorite time of year. I just do radio shows, maybe work 50, 60 hours a week. But it's uh, it's definitely a labor of love, but one well worth it. I appreciate you doing this. Uh, it's been great to catch up with you. And, again, everyone, if you're interested, philsteel.com. If you want to go online and order it, or if you want to pick up a copy today, Barnes & Noble, Books A Million. But I'm not trying to tell Barnes & Noble they don't have the best version, but I think that online version is the best because, as you just said, you're updating it up until the start of the season. So you're getting the most accurate information, and you still get that physical copy if you want to mark it up. So that's really cool, Phil. You know, I have a question for you, Paul. Sure. Uh, how long have we been doing these shows together, my friend? We've had a, uh, off and on because we haven't done it consecutive every year because you're hard to get a hold of, and that's a tribute to you because so many people want you. Uh, we were doing this close to the beginning when I was at another radio station. So early on, you, know, you would mail these magazines out at radio stations, and you know we would book you as a guest. So I might have been with you close to the beginning, probably close to the beginning. And I can't thank you enough for that, Paul. It was those uh, early radio shows that I did in 1995. 96, 97, and help build the magazine and get it to the place where it was today. And it probably wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for uh, those early radio shows. So I, I can't thank you enough for having me on way back in the 29 years ago when the magazine came out. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a it's been a long time, and uh, I've enjoyed every moment of it. And uh, I appreciate you uh, getting me back in rotation. And, and uh, of course, you can follow Phil on Twitter as well, and he tweets a lot of information. But I think the uh, the fact that the print magazine coexists with the digital product is probably the, the way to go. And I, I hope other people and whatever their publication might be follows that model a little bit more because, honestly, the way people are today, they don't really cherish that physical magazine except yours, I think. I appreciate that, Paul. Yeah, it's, uh, it is something that I hear from a lot of people that uh, magazines are going by the wayside, but uh, not this one. It's actually faster than the Internet. Phil's still my guest. Thanks, Phil. Appreciate it. Hey, Paul, once yeah. again, can't thank you enough for having me on in the early years, and it's always great talking football with you. Anytime, Phil. That's Phil Steele, everyone. Phil Steele College Football Preview Magazine, now available for purchase. And, of course, go to the website. The website's probably going to be the best place to get it, but if you want to get your hands on it now, Barnes & Noble, Books A Million, that's going to be the best place for you. When we continue, we're going to speak with Van Burgess. I caught up with him on Saturday. We were at an event to celebrate the life of former Huntington Blizzard captain Jim Birmingham. We'll hear from Van Burgess when we continue on this edition of The Drive, ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. This is The Drive with Paul Swan on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. We continue on with today's edition of The Drive on ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. I'm your host, Paul Swan. A few days ago, I had a chance to catch up with Van Burgess. He's a former player for the Huntington Blizzard. He played for the team 
From 1995 to 1997, he scored 55 points in the 95-96 season, had an impressive 94 points in the following year. He was one of the top scorers for the team during his time with the Blizzard, and after his tenure with the Huntington Blizzard, he continued to play professional hockey for several more years before retiring. Now, recently, Burgess was at an event to remember his former teammate, Jim Birmingham, who passed away at the age of 51. So this gathering brought together a lot of former Huntington Blizzard players and their families. A lot of fans showed up as well to remember Jim Birmingham because Jimmy loved Huntington, and he was the captain for a lot of these guys. So I spoke with Van to get a few thoughts on why he was back in Huntington, what it was like to be back, also his memories of Jim Birmingham, and when I was talking to these guys, I didn't want to just start out with a question. So, And also, I was trying to just make sure I kept track of everything. I, I would have them, you know, give me their name, give me their position, and, you know, and when they played, when they, if they remembered that. And it started to bring back a lot of memories. So here's my conversation with Van Burgess. Van Burgess forward. Why is an event like this in Huntington so important? Because uh, it's for our guy, right? I don't know if we're going to be able to do this, but um, obviously we wish we were here for a different reason, but we're here to celebrate Jimmy, and it's great to see some guys that uh, we all haven't been together, some of these guys, for 27 years. So it's important for us. When you got to Huntington... What were some of the maybe the first things that came to mind when you when you actually got here finally? Originally, back the very first time I came here in '95 or '96, it was good weather. It was better than where I came from, so uh, you know I was just excited. It was my first year pro, and I was just excited to be playing hockey and getting paid for it. So now you come back now for this event. What maybe went through your mind as you came back to Huntington? Well, my wife is from here, so we've still come around every once in a while. It's been a few years because her family's not here anymore, but um, I, I don't know. It's been, it's been a weird week for sure. Uh, excited and then also kind of dreading coming back, really because uh, of the reason, but uh, I wish that they had all this stuff downtown when the hockey team was here because it probably would have had a lot more attendance. And that leads me to the next question. You come back to Huntington, you see some of the changes here. I mean, what stands out to you now that you look at Huntington? For, you know, you've been here before, but you, know, you look at Huntington even a few years ago to now. What stands out to you? The whole downtown area, right around the rink. The rink looks a lot better. Uh, I don't think there was any shape to it before. I think it was just red or orange, and it was just a, a box, essentially. And now they got the stuff up front, and it looks its more enticing. It's a nice-looking building now. And the stuff around here is, is phenomenal. Obviously, the Huntington needed something like that. When you think about Jim Birmingham in this moment that we're all gathered at, what are some of the things maybe that you know about Jim Birmingham that maybe other people didn't get a chance to know about him 
when he was a player or after he moved on? Uh, that I would not. I don't know. I mean, everybody knows that he's he was a, a great guy, right? Like super friendly, always nice, always in a good mood. Um, probably one of the best passers I've ever played with. Uh, just a good guy, right? Just a just a good dude. Favorite story? Do you have a Jim Birmingham sh- story that you you like to share? Uh. Yeah, and a lot of people forget it. When I left here, I went to Germany for a year. And then the second year, I, I enticed him to come to Germany with me. And uh, he was there for a month, and he's, he's like, nope, I'm going back to Huntington. And that was, that was it. He was there a month in Germany and gone. What was it about Germany that maybe just made him decide, no, this isn't where I need to be? I, I don't even know if it was just Germany, but I think it was just not Huntington. I think it would have been anywhere. He, he just wanted to be here. He loved Huntington for, for whatever reason, the people, the city, the town, I don't know, but he loved it here. And he only lasted a month in Germany, but like I said, I don't think it mattered where it was. He was coming back here. Is that surprising, Yeah, knowing that there's a place in your career? I mean, you're, you're, you're going from place to place in, in hockey trying to get to where you ultimately want to be. Jim... I think if he could play another 20, 30 years, he'd still be here in Huntington playing if there was an opportunity for him to put skates on, lace them up, and let's go. I think he would have played to the, he couldn't play anymore, and then he would have tried to coach here forever too, yeah. He, this is his home. Didn't matter what he was doing, if he was playing or coaching, he, want, he wanted to be in Huntington. And that's an interesting point. After his playing days, he actually won a championship coaching in minor league hockey. I mean, that's, it feels like Huntington Blizzard hockey really has sort of this pedigree of players that have gone on to do successful things, be it behind the scenes and management, coaching. Yeah, there's uh, three guys here <coughs> tonight that are still in hockey and I've all been very successful in doing it. Uh, one scout, uh, Iggs won a state championship in Minnesota. They went 36-0 and 0 or something. I don't think it's ever been done before at the high, highest level in Minnesota. Schooley's back. He coaches Robert Morris. Of course, he, everybody knows Bedsy. You still got Ray. There's, there's, there's quite a few guys that are still involved. But it's probably just a... a testament to the character guys that were brought in to play in Huntington too back in the day. Good character guys make usually make good coaches and and or scouts or whatever. Good quality people tend to get good jobs. Have you ever been involved in a situation with another collection of guys that became such a close-knit unit and the community just in, in, embraced and still embraces? Uh, no. Short answer, no. Van Burgess, great to talk to him. Very emotional event. A lot of people there to celebrate and remember Jim Birmingham, who passed away a few months ago at age 51. We will wrap up this edition of The Drive when we continue on ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. This is The Drive with Paul Swan on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. 
Welcome back to our final segment of today's edition of The Drive on ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. Program note, we'll get Pirates baseball tomorrow. No show. I'm disappointed as well. No show tomorrow. Due to Pirates baseball, we'll be back on the air on Thursday. So no Wednesday edition. We'll have a lot to talk about on Thursday. When we get back together on Thursday, we'll, of course, have had Sunbelt Media Days. We'll know a little bit more about what happened at that event, anything that maybe exciting came out. You know, the usual things that happen during a media day. We'll talk about how well everyone was dressed, how everyone's going undefeated, all of that. Thundering Herd, according to the coaches and the coaches poll, Picked to finish fourth in the East Division, four out of seven. Now, to be fair, it was pretty close. James Madison picked the win, the East Division, receiving four first-place votes. App State came in second, also with four first-place votes. And it was like a three-point difference there between James Madison and App State. App State had 75 points, and Coastal Carolina had three first-place votes and 71 total points. Marshall did get two first-place votes and ended up with 68 points in the poll. So a lot of people are picking James Madison. A lot of people are picking App State, Coastal Carolina, Marshall. There's no definitive leader, truly, in the East Division. We'll see how it shapes up. In the West Division, pretty much Troy ran away with it, 10 first-place votes. South Alabama, a lot of people might be surprised by South Alabama Four first-place votes ended up second in the West Division. I think the West is going to be pretty strong. I don't think it's as weak as a lot of people think. I think top to bottom, the East Division's better. But top three, top four, maybe pretty strong in the West Division. So that's a look at the divisions. We will get back into it on Thursday. Tomorrow during Sunbelt Media Days, we're going to hear from the head coach himself, Charles Huff. So we'll have a recap of that on our Thursday edition of the show. But I'm looking forward to that. As a reminder, once again, we got Pirates baseball coming up tomorrow in the afternoon. That's going to knock us off the air. So no show tomorrow. But tonight, you want to tune in, 7 o'clock, we've got Best Virginia in the TBT. A little bit after that, 9 o'clock-ish, we've got Heard That in the TBT. All of that right here on ESPN 94.1 and AM 930 presented by Roosters. And that's going to do it. Thanks for tuning in. I want to thank Phil Steele from Phil Steele's College Football Preview. The 23rd, was it 20, 21, 20? He's been doing it for like 20 years, I believe. So we're, we're getting close. to. I think we've been doing this for two decades with him. So that's a long time to be the czar of college football preseason publications. And then, of course, it was good to catch up a few days ago with Van Burgess from the Huntington Blizzard days. We were in a a special group remembering Jim Birmingham, former captain, Huntington Blizzard, passing away. He loved Huntington. This was like his second home. Really, it was almost like his true home. So thanks to those guys for being on with me today. No show tomorrow. Back on Thursday. Thanks for keeping it right here on ESPN 94.1 and AF 930. Until then, good night, everyone. WRBC Huntington, W227BS Huntington. This is your radio home for Pittsburgh Pirates baseball, ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930.